what's good what's good fam i have not done a podcast in so long um you know what i you know just being transparent what happened was so um i you guys might have heard a couple of my other podcasts but i think i kind of got um deterred from doing it because i had shared to my family like hey um you know they're fully aware of my um, sexual abuse and my sexual assault and I said I really want to um, take from that situation and just from what I've experienced to give back to um, the community in some kind of way and it scared my parents you know they really freaked them out and I think it's because of you know the more and more time I've gotten to unpack it it's because of you know I I'm a I come from a foreign foreign land and foreign parents or immigrant parents they just have a different mindset there um, um, for I mean of course we should not judge them because you know this happens in American families as well but their name is everything not only that you know the embarrassment you know that might come from um, our family members hearing these stories and having questions. It's like they're afraid. They're afraid of how they would look if this was to come out. Um, because, you know, I think as, I mean, I'm a mother now as a mom, if something happened to my child and I couldn't prevent it, I would feel guilty. And I just kind of had to reiterate to them, like, it's not your fault. You guys, you know, the thing is when someone leaves you in the care of someone or if your child gets up and goes to school and somebody assaults them or somebody you trusted does something to them, it's not your fault. However, over time, I've evolved, I've grown up, I've learned so much from that experience that I want to share it with as many people as possible to other families, to other, you know, entities, so I could possibly impact them and raise awareness on this situation. So I think, you know, after having that conversation, the more and more I kind of got deeper and deeper into this. I got scared and I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. And what I've done, the awesome thing is like I've done this, um, I've created a 30 day challenge for myself and it's a 30 day rejection challenge, right? We all feel we've all been rejected. We've all had that feeling at some point, like we're not good enough or why not me? Um, and I think for some people it cripples them when, you know, and they start thinking like, I can't do that. I'm not worthy of that. And what it is for me, and it could be for someone else's, I feel like that kind of feeling keeps you in control of you never feeling rejected again. So if I stop doing a podcast or if I stop speaking or if I stop doing these things, I don't ever have to worry about the possibility of it not working out or the possibility of hearing someone say, hey, this ain't for you. You ain't good at this. So it's kind of like 30 days of tackling things that make me uncomfortable, tackling things that um, make me step outside of the box so that fear of rejection 
does not rule my world. So, you know, I'm back, man. I'm back and I'm going to put content out there and, you know, we'll see what happens. Because again, I think that everyone has a voice, everyone has a story and they should be able to talk about it. Um, And, you know, I just have to step out there in faith and trust and believe that I am worthy and that, you know, what I put out there is what I put out. I need to have fun with this and just do me. So what up? I'm back, y'all. So January 1st is coming and how many people or even yourself has said, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. But something happens where the person falls off. Well, why, why wait until January the 1st to get started? How about you start now? There's really a way that you can customize your nutrition where you can still enjoy Thanksgiving dinner. You can still have those Christmas cookies and still hit your goals. Just think about it. There's still plenty of weeks left. There's at least two months left before we get to the new year. So just imagine if you were to able to lose a pound a week or even two pounds every week. Until then, kick off your weight loss now. Get healthy now. Because again, tomorrow isn't promised. Heart disease is a number one killer in our communities. It's in our families. How many of us know someone that has diabetes, someone that has high cholesterol, that had their own medication because of things that are tied to nutrition? The doctor will say, hey, follow this diet, be more physically active, and you'll see a reduction in these, in these issues. So let's make that change now. Get a customized meal plan. Start your journey today and let me help you reach your goal. All you have to do is go to aishathomas.goherbalife.com. Click on start my profile. You'll do your um, wellness profile. And then what will happen is that I'll get results to aid you in getting to your weight loss goal, to your weight gain goal, or to your muscle gain goal. Again, go to aishathomas.goherbalife.com. Start your profile and let's hit you. Let's get these goals kicked off for you. You do not have to wait until January 1st to get started. Let's start today. Again, go to Aisha thomas.goherbalife.com again that's a-i-s-h-a-t-h-o-m-a-s dot go herbalife h-e-r-b-a-l-i-f-e dot com So let's update you guys a little bit. So um, I am in the military and I just recently relocated to my new base in San Antonio. Yay. Um, So I've just been getting adjusted to um, life out here where I was before, where I was at before. It was very soul placey. Listen, I'm coming from like West African, busy, busy to the east coast the dmv area maryland yes that's how we pronounce maryland out there maryland you're not a true like person from the dmv or from merlin if you don't pronounce it maryland anyway so you know i came from like that city busy area like the town of gogo i mean crab cakes i mean just an amusing i'm sorry a beautiful beautiful city beautiful area Um, And then I moved to Cali when I was married. Um, I moved there with my ex-husband at the time. And that was pretty dope. I mean, I wasn't too far from San Diego and from LA. So that was an experience. Then I transitioned over to um, 
Texas. I was in San Antonio and then I moved to Del Rio and now I'm in back in San Antonio. Del Rio is like super slow, but I feel like I'm a spiritual woman, y'all. And I feel like there's seasons in your life where you're supposed to like transition and go to certain places and like kind of be in the moment. And um, that that moment, that year and a half, I think it was like great for me because I grew so much as an individual. I learned so much about myself and like killing all the noise and being away from all the busyness was the best thing ever. Um, and now I'm back in San Antonio. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, God took me there to like learn some lessons. And now, now that I've learned those lessons, I'm here now to um, pretty much like be tested on them. Like, okay, well, girl, while you were out there, you learned these lessons. So let's implement them and let's see how you do. Um, so anyway, um, you know, as many of you guys might know, I'm a single parent. Um, I have a daughter and a son, my babies. Um, so for this segment, we're going to talk about, I call it mom life, right? So for mom life, there are these, like as a single parent, you just run into certain situations where you're like, oh my goodness. I mean, for me, I'm juggling not just one child, I'm juggling two kids, a boy and a girl, two different personalities, two different ages. They're about a year and a half apart. Um, and there, you know, there are just things that I have to learn as a parent when navigating, um, a career, when navigating, you know, my own personal goals, being a mother, fitness and those type of things. So one of the biggest things like I got into this big fuss about with my home girl, we talked about, um, so I want to get my kids enrolled in sports. One of the biggest things about me growing up because I came up in immigrant in an immigrant home, um, my parents worked all the time because again, you have a lot of immigrants, they come here, um, they want to live the American dream, the benefits. Um, but in order to do that, they have to work. So my parents worked a lot. They grinded and grinded and grinded because they had to pay bills. I mean, they had five children they had to take care of. I mean, my two older sisters were out the house. Um, the third oldest, she was on the way out. Um, so it was me and my brother. So a lot of things I didn't really participate in because A, they couldn't afford it. Um, B, I didn't, they weren't around to give me a ride. So um, I fell in love with music and, you know, I found, I navigated my way in poetry and things like that on my own. But there were a lot of things I wanted to participate in that I just couldn't do. So typically, you know, you learn from those moments in life and I want to give my children another experience. So um, I have my son and my daughter, my son's five, my daughter's six. Well, um, because I'm a single parent, like my time is limited. I have to really manage my time wisely. So the argument was basically like, okay, I want to put, introduce my daughter to a sport. And I try to navigate where whatever I introduce my son to, hopefully my daughter can do it as well. Like for instance, instance, um, soccer, they both can play that. They might have to be in like different leagues because, you know, of their age group or because, you know, my daughter's a girl or he's a boy or if it's co-ed um, or if it's like football, my son's playing. If, if my son plays flag football, then my daughter can be a cheerleader because she loves to dance. So I'm trying to do it where I can be at one place and one time for both of them. Um, so I, I signed them up for swim lessons. Um, they can do together because they love swimming. But also, and then not only that, not too many black kids know, or black, uh, black, you know, black people, they say black people don't know how to swim. That is a fact that I don't want my children to be um, the typical stereotypes. So I'm trying to like, t- like, 
do something different for them. Um, and they just love the pool. I mean, every time over the summer, like they just would stay in the water for hours and hours, especially my son. So I was like, well, let me, let me actually, you know, put, give them lessons so they can learn how to swim. So they're starting that. But then also I want to do something, another activity. So I told like, Hey girl, I want to put my son into something. I mean, my daughter into something. And you know, while we're there, I think Samuel can do it too. And she just had a fit. She's just like, listen, like this needs to be her moment. This needs to be like her sport. You know, you guys sit on the sidelines and watch her, but she needs to have something on her own. And I'm like, I understand her perspective because yes, you know, she grew up in a household full of brothers and sisters. And, you know, there were times where they couldn't do stuff because the other sibling couldn't, but you know, and, and I get that a hundred percent. Like my, my brother, um, I have, my brother grew up with special needs and I noticed my mother did pay a lot more attention to him because he was more, um, he couldn't do a lot for himself. Um, but you know, then I felt like the attention, I didn't get as much, uh, much attention. So I can understand the perspective of, you know, um, trying to juggle your time with your kids. And that's one big thing for me. It's like, I know how my daughter is. If I do something for my son, she's like, Hey mom, what about me? If you know, she, she's really, really, she really pays attention to those things that we have open dialogue about it. So I'm really being, um, you know, focused on ensuring that I give them equal attention. Um, so she's just like, no, she needs to have her moment. This needs to be her thing. You know, we don't want everything revolved around them too. And I, I feel like, okay, what's the big deal? Like, they're five and six, one, you know, and two, my time is limited. I'm already spread thin with all the things I'm trying to juggle with, trying to be career driven, also spend time with them as well as put them in things. So if I want to find something that I can put them both in, like what's wrong with that? And of course I had this other homegirl who completely understood because both of my homegirls are both single parents, but they both have boys. Like, uh, they both have one child. So they're just, she was like, listen, I don't even know what it will be like if you, if I had two kids, but if I did, I, I could just only imagine having to juggle time for both. And I was like, wait, you know, recently I saw that there's a, a couple that has all three of their sons in the NFL. Like that clearly worked out some kind of way. So, um, so she was just like, you know, there's no necessarily no wrong answer. There's no right way to do it. Just know that, you know, you're doing the best you can. Because initially I was just like, so bothered, like distraught, like, oh my gosh, I don't want my daughter to think that, you know, this is all about, you know, Samuel. This is all about my son. I need her to think that, okay, it's, this is Tiffany's time. Like I'm going to do, what's necessary for her. Um, but you know, it, it is a great point. Like they're young. It might not be a bother for them. So basically it's like, I have to figure out what works for them. And I think sometimes it's great to get advice from people, um, especially people who've been through it, people who can maybe let you see another perspective. And I appreciate both of their perspectives. I really, really do. Um, but then I have to realize, like, Aisha, you have to trust yourself and know that you're going to make the right decision for your children um, and what makes sense for you guys. Because, hey, they might be fine doing the same activities or it might be at this age, they do the same stuff. And then when they get into high school or middle school, they start brand or um, later on in elementary school because my son's in kindergarten garden, and my daughter is in um, first grade. So maybe as they get older, it might turn into one's doing one thing, one's doing the other. But, you know, I have to kind of determine what works for me. 
Um, you know, so for any single parents out there or parents out there is like trying to navigate and you just think it's a right way to do stuff and you feel like people might be like questioning your parenting or it seems like someone always has an opinion, find out what works for you. Um, you know, you can probably talk to 10 people and they might have different perspectives. You might have five that says, oh, this worked for me. And the other five might say something completely different work for them. I mean, even for me, like I nursed both my kids, but some parents didn't nurse their kids. They just couldn't produce milk like that. So, you know, they had to give them um, formula, but that's just their journey, you know? So I feel like ultimately just do what's best for your family, pay attention to their needs and just, you know, make it, um, Make it intentional to ensure that you're just paying attention to their needs and adjust when necessary. Yes. So now let's get into some hot topics. Uh, Well, so (laughs) we've heard recently that Bill Cosby has been sentenced to five to ten years in prison for his um, sexual assault that um, the sexual assault charges he had up against him Um, it has been something that you know for a lot of people it's like wow to actually see it happening because again a lot of people grew up seeing Bill Cosby as this like black icon he represented something that was very inspirational. You saw black families being represented in such a beautiful way that people wanted to be like that. He was such a um, great representation. And to start hearing all these allegations that were coming out and come to find out, I guess this was the culture and these were things that was actually expressed. And hearing that man, like this person that you saw, like Dr. Huxtable, is out here like slipping quaaludes in people's drinks. It's like, wow, like, it's kind of like you grew up with someone, you love this person, and you come to find out like they've been extorting money or they've been like doing these robberies. It like throws you off. And because so many people saw him in that space, it's hard for them to, to, to believe this. Um, and it's interesting because if this was just like your regular, like say you never ever watched a Cosby show, you didn't even know who this man was. A lot of people might be like, who cares? Like that sicko needs to go to jail. Um, and it's just interesting to see that because again, I think a lot of people respond differently um, when it's someone close to them that has done a crime or they've done something bad than when it's somebody you don't know at all. Like the responses are like a lot more shocking because it's kind of like, dude, like, I just never thought you would do this. Like, this is so-and-so. Um, so for me, it, it is like, wow, this representation of this wonderful black man who was the head of this household is like that, that, that view has just been tainted, um, with all the things going on in this world. It's like, man, like, you know, the one person we looked up to like this is, and of course, you know, Dr. Huxtable was a fictional character, but it's like, dude, like this is really who you are. And it is sad to see. And for someone who is a survivor of sexual assault, it's like, it hit me like, yo, like I didn't know this was going on. And of course we can all 
argue with the facts of this was the a plan to take him down and things like that. But, you know, you can't ignore the fact that he actually admitted to slipping quaaludes and women's drinks and things like that and made jokes about it. And it was kind of like, you know, that's just how they talked and that's what we did. We can't admit, we can't say that they're, I, I mean, it's stuff on record saying that, okay, I did this. So we can't ignore that this was actually happening. And I really thought about this when um, it really like clicked. I mean, you know, of course, Bill Cosby, we've been waiting to see what he would be, how he will be sentenced, sentenced for a while. But when this Brett Kavanaugh thing came out and if no one knows and no one's been watching um, the news, um, they are in the process of hiring or looking to um, appoint a new Supreme Court justice. And Brett Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh is one of the, the individual that, of course, you know, um, in the Republican Party, they're really pushing and hoping that he will be, you know, the one chosen. Well, you know, someone came out and accused them, accused him of um, sexually assaulting her. Um, then a second woman came out um, and said that he did some, uh, he sexually assaulted her as well. And then um, today, another, a third person came out and said okay well this is what I witnessed they submitted a sworn testimony um to the senate committee about the whole uh, situation and it's just like man you know I had to like my friend asked me like you know she made me think about it if the person that sexually assaulted me was up for some public office would I feel like I need to stand up and say something and I was like because initially I didn't even think about that because initially I was like man it's been so long you know, I'm like, I can't imagine myself getting up 20 years later from my assault and saying, hey, this happened to me. But when I actually put myself in that person's shoes for a second, it was like, hmm, could I really sit there and let somebody that basically affected my life in such a way get into this high, high position that will be something I would really, really have to pray about because this is like a huge, huge, huge like appointment to be, you know, a Supreme Court justice. Um, this is a lifetime term. And the more and more stuff that come came out of it from these additional accusers. And of course, you know, it, it, ultimately, yes, it is something that no one, you know, without eyewitness accounts, it's kind of like his word against her word. Um, and it would be the same with me. It would be the same of so many men and women out there that are, that have been sexually violated and assaulted who chose not to say anything because of however, however reasons. I mean, we've heard so many stories that of people who are saying the reason why I didn't say anything because I was embarrassed. The reason why I didn't say anything because it was my father. It was this person. Like I... I have been blessed to, um, we have a church group and we call, they call the program called Savior. And I've sat in a room with seven-year-old women who have never until they came to that class a year ago. And they're like in their 60s, 70s, 50s, late 30s, like all age groups are saying like, this is my first time saying out loud that this happened to me. I mean, you're hearing stories that it, it was their own fathers. You're hearing stories it was their uncles. It was the the neighbor. It's so, I mean, it's, it did the range of, um, you know, of the people who have done this to them has, I mean, it's just all over the place. 
And a lot of them have never filed charges. Their parents didn't file charges. I mean, it's just, it, it is, this is happening. This is happening. And I think that this is opened up, opening up a conversation of, you know, is there ever such a thing as, yo, it's a little too late for you to say something. Um, because sometimes it comes up, like for me, for a while I dealt with PTSD. I would have flashbacks. I would have these moments where I would, um, it's kind of like I was reliving, reliving it. And I would like go, I would like be in the corner and I would be shaking or I'll be crying profusely. And, you know, my husband, my ex-husband would be like, yo, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, you know, and then you have to have that uncomfortable conversation of, oh, I'm a sexual assault survivor and this is what happened and so on, so on, you know. And it's like, you want to, you want to carry the strong front and not really share it, but it's just like, to be honest, this is who I am. It doesn't define me, but this is who I am. This happened to me, and this is how it shaped how I see men. This is how I shaped how I see women. This is this is um, how it shaped how I deal with relationships and things like that. Because it does shape a lot of things. You know, it does shape your trust. It shapes so many things. Um, so you know, with all this coming out, it's just like it's raising that. I, for me, I feel like it's raising a couple things. Um, you know, again, just raising awareness of mental health, of course. Mental health is extremely important. A lot of people need to, you know, I know a lot of people like take stuff to their grave, but like being able to talk to people and actually expressing what happened and sharing that is extremely important. And also to protect our children. Like we even heard the thing about the Catholic Church. And I won't even say the Catholic Church in the way of, it's like the entire Catholic church of every single sector of the world. No, I mean, it was, you know, we've heard multiple stories from Catholic churches within certain areas who, you know, they have kids that were being victimized and they didn't talk about it for so long, you know, and the Catholic church has gotten like so much, so much pushback and so much like, oh my gosh, you know, you guys allow this to happen and but you know a woman can't come out after 30 years and say hey this happened to me and I wanted to speak out about it even though my life is being affected I have to move out my house like I want to speak about this and again of course we do not know if this happened Brett Kavanaugh has denied the claim Bill Cosby denied claims we don't know we weren't there um but I don't think we should just quickly judge people or quickly start questioning when is the right time to share that information? When is the right time for someone to say, yes, that happened to me because everybody has different reasons. Just imagine how many men out there who are battling with their sexuality if it happened to them and they were assaulted by a man. How many, just think about how many men are out there that it might have not been a man that sexually assaulted them and it was a woman, but they have been like, over sexual like just really sexual since they were younger and most of the times you know if a boy came in it was like yo he could be shoot shoot let's say he's 13 and he comes in and say yo this 20 year old chick and it's like he's 13 like why are you messing with a 20 year old or if he's 11 like you know they might get high five like yo you knocked down a 20 year old like that's not okay like there are certain age differences that's like yo well why why is this happening or that girl that's the quote-unquote hoe in high school that's sleeping with all the boys and she's only like 11 12 there's there's a question in that before she's bullied or teased and her name gets smeared all over the school that she's this and that 
Like that's not normal for a girl that young to be old, that like overly sexualized in that manner. You have to start wondering like, did something happen to her? What's going on with her mental health? What's going on in her household that this is happening? Because that is not normal. So I think we need to stop throwing judges and, I mean, sorry, stop throwing judgments out there, labels, questioning stuff, and just educate ourselves with things like that. Like, you know, even with, you know, people who might be, I know this might be like out, like way out of the way, but even people who are necessarily quote unquote racist, they clearly, like I was listening to a Ted talk and a guy was like, listen, I wanted to find out, like, I wanted to go into the wormhole of what a white supremacist thinks. So he created a fake account and he basically like was pretending to be this alter ego, like this Aryan, like this white nationalist. He just was like straight up in it just so he can see their perspective. And he was like, it was interesting when he saw that side of things, he was just like, ah, I see why they think this way. So it's just like opening up a dialogue and actually having those conversations so we can understand each other. And hopefully, and hopefully that'll create a sense of knowledge or a sense of, okay, I understand your point. I see why you feel that way. Let's talk about it. Let's maybe learn from this and transition and and look at this in a different way. So I think before we go around judging people and just like smearing people's names and saying, yo, we team Bill Cosby because of this and this, think about if that was really, think about if that was your mother that went through that. To wake up, right? Regardless if, yes, you know, she might have went over there, she might have decided to go out there drinking, or she decided to go somewhere with a guy one-on-one, but, like, consent is a heck of a thing. But just imagine your mother, your sister, going somewhere and waking up half-naked or waking up with somebody on top of them and how that could mess, how that can, like, mess up their whole brain like how they think see men see like trust it like it it can totally like everybody has different um experiences and how they um, respond to um sexual assault but just imagine that and then just imagine if they finally decided hey i'm gonna speak out about it they be they're like their name names are smeared they're called gold diggers and they're just trying to get money and they go through all this and then they finally get uh, a guilty. You know, they see that, that that person that did that to them is actually charged for them. Like, just imagine, like, how much turmoil that person could be going through if that was somebody that you were close to and loved. And you know for sure they went through that. And again, we don't know what happened. We weren't there. Um, but, like, when you see it from the other perspective, like, okay... You know, we're we're seeing it from the outsider's perspective, but what if you were smack dab in it? Because again, Bill Cosby's family is probably going through it a completely different as well because they believe so much in their father. They look, they believe so much in their in their his her, her I'm sorry, his wife believes in him so much, and like to sit back and think like, is this who my husband was? Or nah, my husband, I know he would never do this. Like it's just so many sides of it that it's like pick a side pick a side we can't pick a side we have to kind of just I don't know I feel like you have to just see it from all perspectives and instead of just throwing out a accusation or throwing out a um a you know a judgment or how you think it's like now there are different sides to it but shout out to Drake real quick for countersuing that woman that went out there and lied on that man because we do have women out there that are going out there and they're lying because things didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out. That's not cool because you have survivors like myself. 
you have survivors all around the world that go through this scrutiny and they're judged and they're talked about because of people like that. So I hope he sues. I, I don't ever hope anything bad on anyone, but it's just like keep that same energy. You can't go around falsely accusing men and women of doing things to you that they did not do. You don't know how that affects their family, their mental. That is just wrong. So I'm so happy to see that if somebody like blatantly lies on you, no, you counter sue them. They should be brought up on charges. We need to stop killing. We need to start killing this idea that like get back isn't it's just like it's not cool. And getting back on back back to someone get trying to get back at someone in that manner it's just wrong so i hope it works out where she gets what she deserves for lying and then other men and women out there who want to go out and even think about throwing out a false false accusation they're like oh no i don't even want i don't even want them them issues because there's so many survivors like rape sexual assault is like the it's like the most underrated i mean underreported crime out there and we need to change that norm and again when people are, are I'm sure there are people who might like people are being raped like I, I, I can't remember the number but within a certain amount of seconds someone is being sexually assaulted and by seeing what the internet and seeing what's going on out there they're like I don't even want to talk about it because of people like just quickly judging they're like I, I'm really not going to report it now because I don't want to be scrutinized like this like to sit on a uh, in front of a jury and actually explain your story and say vividly the names of the body parts and how it this happened to it and he did this like that's like the worst feeling of the wor- in the world and then I go out and I'm scrutinized and I'm called a slut or a liar or a gold digger man that's that's tough but stop lying don't lie on people please don't do that let's 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 just have that open dialogue let's keep that same energy because again, if you're going to throw a false accusation, be ready to get countersued or locked up yourself. But then also on the other side, for people who are truly have these real, real situations that happen, just have that open dialogue, talk to them. Because you'll truly, you'll start seeing so many different sides of these stories that you're like, man, I can't put a time limit on when someone is ready to speak about something traumatic that happened to them. So thank you guys for listening. I'm so, so excited to be back. I I plan on being more consistent. I plan on being more, um, you know, determined to make sure I continue to grow more content and not worry about the what ifs. Again, I have my story. I have things I want to share. I want to empower women. I want to empower the community. I want to empower men. Um, So I'm going to definitely be more consistent in posting weekly. Um, So I have goals for me. I actually, Eric Thomas is my favorite motivational speaker. And just from listening to him, I decided to sign on to his 100-day challenge. Um, And I have an accountability partner through that. Um, I'm also doing a 30-day rejection challenge where the goal is to put myself in uncomfortable situations, get used to hearing no, and actually just trying to grow in 
um, growing and and not not being so uncomfortable with having face to face conversations with strangers. Um, so that's really the intent of that. And then you know evolving into like a twelve month makeover where I find twelve things that I need to grow, I need to become better at. If it's um, consistency, if it's organizing and tackling something every month. Um, so I can grow as an individual as well as it's going to support my business, it's going to support me as a parent, me as an overall friend, just different things like that. But I'll be talking about that more um, on the other episodes that I post. But thank you. Check me out on at SalonGal83 on um, all social media platforms. I'm on there. Snapchat, Instagram, and um, what's the other one? Twitter. I'm on those uh, three uh, plat- platforms. It's, again, it's at S-A-L-O-N-E-G-Y-A-L-83. Um, So I will be posting soon and God bless.